Luke chapter 1, verse 35. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you are here with us and that you desire to meet us in a real, fresh way. Lord, hopefully we've got our focus upon you, but if there is anything that we're still struggling with or holding on to or just not, we just want to give it to you right now that we would hear you. Not not me. I pray that you'd help me to speak beyond anything I could do, but Lord, I know that you can speak beyond whatever words come out of my mouth. That's still small voice that you have and each one of us this day, that our focus would be upon you, the Christ of Christmas. Lord, not only for us, but perhaps for those that in this season that we're going to run into, that need to hear this word today as well, that we can pass it on. Move and work right now. By your Holy Spirit, fall upon us, move in us and through us. As only you can do. In your name, we pray, Jesus. Amen. So are you having an extraordinary Christmas? Are you having an extraordinary Christmas? Because the first Christmas was really extraordinary. With all kinds of miraculous things that took place. For example, think about it at the beginning, Zechariah. Zechariah got to go in the temple and he saw an angel, Gabriel. He said, you're going to have a son in your old age. And he didn't. So then he became mute until his son was born. I mean, there's some pretty miraculous things there. And Elizabeth, his wife, never had a child before. Now an old lady becomes pregnant. Not to mention the young lady, Mary, who an angel comes and tells her that you are going to be overshadowed by the Spirit. You, a virgin, will be with child. And not just any child, but the King, the Messiah. And then her relative, Elizabeth, is filled with the Spirit. Think about that even in this time. Filled with the Spirit, prophesies. John the Baptist, still in the womb, jumps when Jesus comes just into the room. How amazing is that? Joseph, this regular guy, has angel come to him and tells him not to do what he was thinking of doing. Instead, take Mary as your wife. Here, listen. And all these extraordinary things that happen are a part of the prophet Isaiah and what he has said. That's extraordinary. And prophet Micah, what he has said comes true. And so many other things, it's extraordinary of what took place, including the prophecy that Zechariah himself prophesizes there, the Zechariah and Elizabeth thing. And keeping in mind that they haven't heard from God in hundreds of years. And angels announce the birth to shepherds. And not just that, a whole host of army of angels, they show up praising God. And then Simeon and Anna in the temple confirm all this extraordinary things that happened. Not only that, there was an extraordinary star. Not just any star, a star that had never been seen and nothing like it. And it gains the attention far away of wise men who went up 
and came to worship this child and even came and opened up treasures right in the moment of need. These wise men were warned to flee, to, to not go back to King Herod, you remember? And even Joseph again warned in a dream and he took his family and they were saved from Herod's madness that happened as they fled to Egypt. That is an extraordinary list of Christmas miracles. That is an amazing, extraordinary first Christmas. But here's the thing. It's not just history. It is his story that is still being written today in this Christmas can be extraordinary. We can still have an extraordinary Christmas today. It's amazing, though, that there are some, there's some in our churches who really aren't sure about all that I just shared. Are you sure about the whole extraordinary Christmas story of God coming down? Oh, yeah, they pray to God. It's not that they don't believe God doesn't answer prayer and do things. They believe, hey, nothing's impossible with God. But apparently, they don't know where that phrase comes from, which is what we just read in Luke chapter 1. What I just read to you was that about the angel answering the Holy Spirit and the power coming upon her and about Elizabeth. And it says in Luke 137, for nothing will be impossible with God. You see, the whole miraculous, supernatural, extraordinary Christmas is the reason for the phrase, nothing is impossible with God. Have we really stopped to think about it? We say that, we hear that, but we realize the reason for that is extraordinary Christmas that took place. As we look at the Christmas story and we look at what man and God did, we see that he still performs the extraordinary on his part. And our part is to keep praying and to live a life that pleases him, like Mary and Joseph, so, so many in this story. They, they not just trusted, but lived the life that God wanted and they waited I know it seems at times that we're asking a lot of God. Even sometimes it may feel like you're asking God to do the impossible. But guess what? That's what God does. He does the impossible, the extraordinary. I'm praying that God would do something extraordinary in your lives this Christmas. In fact, uh, many of you know, I pray uh, uh, this week, walking through each of the aisles and the chairs, praying over each one, praying that God would just move in an extraordinary way in your life. Now, what does that look like? And, and what do we mean? Because we need to keep in mind, and we're talking about an extraordinary first Christmas, that God had often answered prayers with wait. Wait for the extraordinary. I mean, think about it. I just list that all those extraordinary things that happen at Christmas time, but those people have been waiting for those things. It wasn't until the fullness of time came. In fact, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 talks about what, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. So when everything had come together and Christmas started the whole plan in motion, while well, God still, we recognize, answers prayer today. 
But we need to remember that God still answers prayer with wait. Perhaps you've waited so long that you've forgotten that wait is not no. Rather, it is not now. Are you, are you hearing this? It's not no. It's just not now. Ultimately, it may be years like Zachariah and Elizabeth. And it may be that what we are waiting for is not what we want. I, I don't mean that. I mean, thinking about they, they wanted a child. But it wasn't, they had to wait, not for what they wanted. They had to wait for God's will. That was bigger than their simple request of, oh, please, can I just not be childless? There was a bigger plan beyond Zechariah and Elizabeth. And there may be a bigger plan that you're waiting on beyond just that what you think is just a simple answer from God. There is something even bigger than that that perhaps that he's doing. But perhaps as well, it's been so long that you've been waiting. That we've not only stopped asking God for that, but we've stopped expecting the extraordinary to happen. Do not for one second believe that he has not heard your prayers. Our family understands a little bit about waiting. In a number of ways, we have our own no room at the inn. But we have been fortunate that someone let us stay in their barn, so to speak. And I'm glad that my son does not have to sleep in an animal uh, manger. We got more than that. But there is that sense of of waiting. We're waiting for God to do. Waiting for God to do, the extraordinary God to do something. It doesn't mean no, it means not now and, and not that we understand it all. Uh, this is uh, what we have on our mirror from Andrew Murray waiting on God, or right by our mirror is this note that we've had. Above everything, when you wait on God, do so in the spirit of abounding hopefulness. It is God in his glory, in his power, in his love, longing to bless you that you are waiting on. Let's let that sink in for a moment. Above everything, when you wait on God, do so in a spirit of abounding hopefulness. It is God in his glory, in his power, in his love, longing to bless you that you are waiting on. And here's the thing. We're not just waiting on the extraordinary. We are waiting with the extraordinary. With the extraordinary God. For God's appointed time comes in its fullness. And when all that God has planned for you will give birth. But until then, until then, you can still have an extraordinary Christmas. How is that possible? If I'm having to wait for something, how can I possibly have an extraordinary Christmas? You can. 
I, I know some have trouble hearing this because for some of you here today, this Christmas time is extraordinary, all right. This time of year right now is extraordinarily bad for some of you. The peace, love, and joy of the season has been crushed by the circumstances that you find yourself in. And it seems like there's no hope that it's going to get change or it's going to get any better. But let's remember many, many people were experiencing similar things before that first Christmas. Before that first Christmas came, so many people were going through things like you and worse. You're not alone in your sorrow. You're not alone in your heartache. God broke through then with the extraordinary and he still can today. And yet, we've got to ask, why is it, and, and maybe not all of you here today, but I imagine there's got to be some. I know it's out there. Why is it that we put such great expectations on this time of year? About miracles that got to happen, or this has got to happen because it's Christmas. It's got to happen for before Christmas, around Christmas time, and then we say it's got to happen before the first of the year. I mean, if if something's going to break through, it's just got to break. Why are we putting those kind of limits on a God who is not limited or bound by time? He's not looking and saying, "Oh man, it's almost Christmas. I should probably do this for them." But we think that. We, we put these kind of expectations, these things that are not the way things are going to go. We can end up looking, even expecting for God to do a Christmas miracle, some specific kind of miracle, to change our situation. And he did the first Christmas just for so many people. And he still can. And we understand from the Christmas story, we see all those miracles. But with all those miracles that I talked about are secondary to what Christmas was really about, what was really extraordinary. In fact, all those miracles were temporary. Christmas can still be extraordinary. Even if those miracles don't happen, because if you think about it, the miracles of Christmas that I mentioned, the extraordinary things, didn't happen all the time and they didn't happen for all people. In fact, let's just take angels coming and visiting and coming and saying, you know what? The angels came, but guess what? The angels left. They didn't stay. They didn't stay there in the room. They didn't stay and continue to talk to them and from one thing to the next and just keep telling them this and that. The shepherds didn't just keep having the angels appear to them all the time. They were miraculous. It was extraordinary, but it was temporary. There's only one miracle that remained from that first Christmas that is still true in this Christmas. The greatest thing that God did that first Christmas was not the miracle that immediately changed the situation that people were in. It was a miracle. It was extraordinary, but it did not change. That miracle that has remained the same, the miracle that began then was Jesus, God, come to the situation the whole world was in. He joins us in our situation. So that even today, your Christmas can still be extraordinary because of the miracle in the manger. In this simple manger, which is really far from simple, it's simply extraordinary. 
was more than just a baby born. This was God come down to earth. In this manger, God incarnate in the flesh has come for us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, 6 through 8. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. As it begins there in verse 6, it says that Jesus did not consider equality with God beyond his reach because that's what he already had in his grasp. He was already equal to God because he was God. What we see here is that he did not give up being God, but rather, as Martin Lloyd-Jones states, he laid aside not the possession of deity, but the expression of deity, of being God. He did not consider the fact that he was God to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he humbled himself. He took on the form of man, the very nature of an ordinary man. And we're not talking about the appearance to look like a man, like in the Old Testament theophanies. We're talking about the infinite God taking on finite limitations of humanity. Not just taking an outward shell of some human body. God, the creator, took on the whole created human nature, body, spirit, soul. Although without the propensity to sin. And so Jesus became fully man. First Timothy 3.16 tells us beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh. This is extraordinary. This is miraculous and this is important because if we reject this we reject jesus second john 7 says i say this because many deceivers who do not know jesus coming in is coming in the flesh have gone out into the world any such person is a deceiver recognize who jesus is that this was emmanuel god with us but not just god with us this is god as us this incarnation is so unique that it is incredulous to think somebody would ever say all religions are alike because there is nothing like this in the other religions that where the lord god jesus taking on humanity coming to not just to earth but taking on our humanity and when we fully understand this there is nothing like it in any place it is extraordinary when you look at the new testament you see again and again jesus presented as god not just the, the only begotten Son of God, but we read in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, that He was there at creation. He was as the Creator. We read how only God can forgive sins, and yet in places like Mark chapter 2 and Acts 5, Jesus forgave sins because only God can, and Jesus is God. And we look at people like all throughout the Bible, like Thomas, doubting Thomas. When he came to full belief and he truly saw who Jesus was, Downing Thomas says, My Lord and my God, in John 20. My Lord and my God. Couple this with the I am statements that Jesus makes that no good Jewish person would have ever uttered uh, as you read Exodus 3. No, you wouldn't say that. 
But he did. Mark chapter 14, verse 61, when questioned by the high priest about whether he was the Christ, the son of the blessed, Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest said, what further witness do we need? We have heard this blasphemy deserving death. We understand it's not the only place in John chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the father of one. And they, they, they take up stones to stone him. And they say, we're not stoning you for any good work, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. There's so much more I don't have time to cover, but let's just let one last one is it on this part of this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Jesus, God and man, fully extraordinary. And it all began at Christmas. And it is still extraordinary. What we're talking about is the miracle in the manger. There was not a point in time where Jesus later in life suddenly transformed into God. He came into the world this way in an extraordinary way. And why? Why does he need to be both God and man? Because that's the only way to save us. Just think this through. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned. All of us have fallen short of what God wants as humans. There is not one of us who is perfect here on earth, but there was one who is perfect up in heaven. Jesus, the Son of God. Romans 6 verse 23 says that the penalty for that sin, that punishment, the penalty is death, separation from God, hell, and that all who are guilty must be punished. But there is one who was not guilty that does not deserve to be punished, and that one was Jesus, the Son of Man. So as men, there was nothing that we could do on our own. Nothing was going to happen to make us be able to get to be in heaven with God. Which is why it took an extraordinary love that we see at Christmas. That God had to make it to earth to be with us. Not just to be with us, but to be us. To be us, Jesus, the mediator between God and man. As First Timothy 2 states. This isn't just the best way. This was the only way. That we could be saved from the punishment of sin through the Savior. Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. John chapter 14, verse 6. Because He came into our humanity through a virgin birth, through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus was able to be sinless. We read that in Hebrews 4. He was able to be both God and man. He who has been there, He struggled with temptation, with sin, and He won. And therefore, He is the only one who would be qualified to take our place, our death penalty, our punishment on a cross. Uh, But if he was only human, then he had sinned. And he had to pay the penalty for his own sin, which was death. But because he was God, more so because he was sinless, he was not subject to the death penalty for his own sins. And so therefore he was not only, he was the only innocent human and therefore as the only innocent human he is the only one who could step up 
take our actual place in punishment for our sins as our substitute. 1 Peter 3, verse 18, For Christ also suffered once for sins for the righteous, once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. If Jesus was just human, none of this Christianity works. If Jesus is just a good man or a great teacher, then he cannot be Savior and Lord. And therefore, not only is it no different than any other religion, it is worse. It is worse that if it claims that Jesus was more than a man, and that's not true. That just makes him to be either a liar or a lunatic. God not only did the extraordinary Christmas, He was the extraordinary. And He can be the extraordinary in your Christmas today. Because it leads to a whole other miracle even that took place, an extraordinary work that God wants to do in each and every one's life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Are you ready to receive that gift? Why put it off? Why have you put it off? Why, why, why put it aside? Maybe you had it one time. See, that first Christmas was extraordinary for Mary, for Joseph, for the shepherds, for everyone. That first Christmas was extraordinary. But not because of all the miracles happening that were surrounding them, but because of the miracle in the manger. We've got to recognize, we read the story and we think of all these things, but what really made it extraordinary for them was Jesus. And if you think about it, at that time, that was just Jesus thinking as a baby and all that could be. Now we have a more full and complete revelation of the King that Jesus is and all that he is. And don't think for a moment that their eyes that first Christmas were somehow distracted, that they were focusing on, uh, you know what, we need to change that rough, dirty manger. In other words, they weren't focused in that moment in that first Christmas on their circumstances and everything that was on and didn't go as they had planned and what they didn't want and all that. None of that was their focus. But rather, they never took their eyes off of the miracle in the manger. That's how you have an extraordinary Christmas. Don't take your eyes off the miracle in the manger of Jesus, who's really not in a manger anymore. He's not on the cross anymore. He's not in the tomb anymore. But He is alive and He is here. The extraordinary Jesus. How is it possible to have an extraordinary Christmas? Because of the miracle of God come to earth, Jesus is still here with us, Emmanuel. Emmanuel in our stinky, dirty, noisy, dark, cold manger of a life. Jesus is here. Do we fully grasp how extraordinary it is? Think about this. Do we fully grasp how extraordinary it is that an all-powerful, sovereign, all-knowing, 
God of the universe, creator of the ends of the earth, Lord of lords, king of kings, is not merely somewhere up in heaven, but he is right here, not only with me, but as a believer, he is in me. Don't miss the miraculous that is already within you. God himself, he is not just watching over you. God is not just pulling for you. God is not just helping you from afar. God is with you. That is the extraordinary thing about Christmas. It all started right then. Somebody will say, oh, okay, okay. It's extraordinary that God is with me, but, but uh, my life is not extraordinary. I need, I need a, a miracle for this Christmas to be something extraordinary, for this Christmas to be somehow salvaged. If you're thinking that, you're missing the whole point. In fact, if you're thinking that, you're missing the only point. The key to an extraordinary Christmas has always been Christ and Christ alone. But besides that, and where you're at, and recognizing where you're at, let's not forget that even those in the Christmas story, those who were favored, those who were blessed, miraculously experienced big burdens and problems. Not just in the midst of hard times did miracles happen, but sometimes in the midst of miracles, hard times happened. Are you with me? It's the Christmas story. That's what it is. Let's not romanticize it. In the midst of miracles, sometimes hard times happen. And we don't always see the extraordinary in those things. But sometimes there is something extraordinary happening even in the hard times. And let's just think about something easy. The decree by Caesar that a census should be taken, which meant Mary and Joseph had to go 90 miles. and There was not a car. And I know we like to think of her riding on a donkey, but... It doesn't say that, and he wasn't rich. So in the midst of all this miraculous, and she is blessed, and all that's going to happen, and it's the Son of God, they got to make a trip. Not good news, not good timing, extremely hard for Mary, and perhaps even concerning for the child to make that kind of journey that close when the birth was to take place. And yet, it was a part of the extraordinary work of God to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem so they could have that child in the place that Micah in 5-2, hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, said was the place the Messiah would be born. That hard thing they didn't want. They did. It wasn't good. It wasn't easy. That hard thing was the extraordinary thing that God was doing. Sometimes the problems and the pain that we are experiencing are a part of the process of bringing about the miracle that God wants to do. How would you feel if you got coal in your stocking? 
Some of you say, again? I know. I know some of you be like, uh, yeah, this is like the 10th year in a row. All right. So here's it. And, and we're not all, all going to be able to see this, but it's a way and I didn't have it put on. So I have a card here. And, and you'll understand why I have to have a card this size in a little bit here. What's this? So is there, there's a, a snowman kind of looking at his sign. What's this? Two lumps of coal in my stocking, right? It says two lumps of coal in my stocking. Can't be good to get coal. I can see. I can see. I can see, you know, sometimes those things that don't seem like they're so good can be the miracle that God is trying to do. We just may not see it or understand it. Have to wait upon it. I mean, more that God wants to do. The whole snowman in his eyes, I can see is reminds me of I oh, you're saying where's the pastor's glasses I don't have them um, actually they don't do any good and, and just to share you know many of you say oh the pastor they, they haven't had the um, you've asked us about our housing and all that and going and wow I can't believe you guys are so good you're doing you know so good how you're managing and, and being able to carry on for a year now uh, without having a place uh, uh, a place to live. And we say it's really not as big a deal as you think because in our life, there are things that are way bigger deals, that are way harder than this. Now, one of those things, and this is just a simple thing, and I, I, I share it in part. Uh, obviously, I'm not trying to look for sympathy. Part of what I'm doing is trying to not have to keep explaining to people why I don't have glasses on. Uh, but part of it is to recognize that sometimes at times like this, we need to share things with one another. We don't always talk about what's going on. Many know, but not everybody does. About six, eight months ago, uh, my vision became blurry quickly and just continued to go downhill. I eventually found out that I had double vision. Um, lots of tests, lots of different things. Nothing can be figured out. Oh, everything seemed good, except I couldn't see. Uh, you know, and it doesn't matter. Glasses doesn't change double vision. There's no how uh, this one will make you have single vision. And so everything's blurry. Everything was not not good. The only solution was to get uh, have my eyes operated on. Um, and so this December, that's what's happened. And I've been trying to read. Uh, last week was real interesting doing the first person sermon and trying to read things. Uh, but I had to have the this surgery, which is like cataract surgery. I say like because I don't have cataracts. That's not why I had it, but that's the kind of surgery that I have uh, in hopes that it will clear that up. So, but in that process, anybody who's had that, you, your glasses are worthless then until everything balances out. And for some reason, they didn't tell me this, uh, you can see a little better farther away, but I can see absolutely nothing close. Not that I need to have that as a pastor, preaching, having to see something. Some of you are thinking, how I do this? That's why I have this with me. It's huge. It's huge. Uh, that's how I have that up here. Be able to have it. But you know what? There, there, you want, you know, obviously had the elders pray, anoint and pray. God, God didn't do the extraordinary. Didn't go that kind of miracle. Hey, waiting for it. What is God doing? 
wait and recognize that maybe in this there's something that he's trying to do. There's something even more. But more than that, maybe there's something he wants to do in me. And being open to what he wants to do in us. What exactly are you waiting for to have an extraordinary Christmas? You know, you've been waiting for the extraordinary God to do something different, something new, to do a miracle, to change your circumstances, or to change the people around you. But here's the thing. The change at Christmas, the real miracle in the manger, was that Jesus had to change. Everything he had known from the beginning of before time, Jesus put his interests down and put our interests above his own and made himself nothing and set us an example as philippians 2 says i mean let's think about how ironic it is what i'm trying to say is in order to change the world god had a plan but in order to change the world god had to change the way he'd been doing things all that time and god became the change in fact, if we think about it, while there were extraordinary things that happened to people in their circumstances that first Christmas, the miracle that lasted were the things that happened in them. Are you hearing me? The miracle that lasted were the things that happened in them, that changed them for the rest of their lives and ultimately changed them for eternity. Like fully receiving the gift that God is offering you to forgive you have your sins to come to be a part of his forever family. To receive that gift of eternal life. But it's not just about your salvation and changing your destination this Christmas. If you want to have an extraordinary Christmas. Focus upon the miracle of Jesus. Be willing to let God do the kind of miracle that changes you from the inside. And walk with the extraordinary Christ of Christmas through whatever your troubles are. Even this morning. And I realize there's some don't want to hear that. They just want to hear it just be over. They just want the problems to go away. Except, have you ever noticed anything about problems? That go away, that miracles that even take them away. Guess what? We have other problems that come along, don't we? And be like, we need a miracle every day. And God says, you know what can help you with this struggle that you're having, needing a miracle every day with all these circumstances and people in your life? Is let me do a miracle in you. Let me change you. Why is it that as Christians we have no problem recognizing and wanting the inward miracle of God changing a heart spiritually? And making someone come alive forever in a relationship with Him. We want them, not God to be changing their external. We are praying that God would change inside their heart and that they would come to Him and know Him. Salvation. We, we believe that is something important about the internal change that can happen in somebody's life to come to know Christ. But now, once we know Christ, we don't want God to touch the inside. We just want Him to deal with the outside. God wants to do is something extraordinary even in you. Choose to have an extraordinary Christmas with Christ. Choose 
to allow God to change that which is in you. To do something greater, something longer lasting, something extraordinary in you. This Christmas, let the one who has come for us overtake, overwhelm you. Let the extraordinary be extraordinary in you, for you. Focusing on the Christ of Christmas. Let's pray. The worship team can come. Father, thank you for what you're doing in and through us. Sometimes that's hard for us to say thank you. One, we don't recognize it. Two, we don't want it. But you still do the extraordinary Christmas. And we don't want to stop believing that. But we also want to be open for that extraordinary to be done in us, not just around us. More than that, even if none of that changes and we don't change, Lord, I pray that you would help us to recognize that you have come for us and you have stayed. You are here. And this Christmas could be so extraordinary if we would just focus on you, the extraordinary one of what Christmas is really all about. Work in us that miracle now. In your name we pray. Amen.